This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you. Hopefully, everybody is enjoying the beautiful Rhode Island summer or wherever you're listening right now. It could be outside of the Ocean State. Hopefully, it is meeting your standards as today we have really an interesting conversation with Tom Flanagan, the author of Acapulco, a book based on experiences growing up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. So, you know, th- this is something that I kind of wanted to get into anyway. Not that we're going to go around the whole 39 cities and towns and, you know, hey, wh- what's it, what's going on this week in uh, North Smithfield? You know, nothing against North Smithfield. just the first thing that came to mind. But the idea of going into different municipalities and kind of just starting to build um, some ground-up versions of what it's like to have grown up in, the experiences of particular parts of the state. And we spend a lot of time, obviously, on statewide conversations here on B-Town. We, of course, do a lot with Providence and, frankly, Newport as well, um, and, and even South County, which is where I grew up. So this is kind of a cool conversation on Northern Rhode Island, Pawtucket, which is geographically situated in such a way that it kind of fits into both like the Providence metro conversation as well as um, the Northern Rhode Island conversation and, and sort of the identity crisis that I imagine some people might have in Pawtucket. Maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking this whole thing. <laughs> You'll hear in the episode about that and much more. And of course, you can find Tom's book on Amazon, Acapulco, and he'll tell you about where he's doing a book signing here in Pawtucket when he comes back to visit the state. So interesting stuff. Thanks, as always, to all of you out there who are joining in on a regular basis, whether you listen to every episode, occasionally, part of an episode, whatever it is, it is very much appreciated, and we are seeing some incredible numbers here in B-Town in terms of the audience growth over the course of 2021. Um, It has been really exciting to see, and I've got a lot planned for you. Typically, typically, I mean, this is what, like the third year of the show, but, but in the last few years, I've taken kind of the second half of August off from new episodes and then resumed after Labor Day. I'm going to do that again this year. Um, I will be kind of tweaking some aspects of the show in terms of the music and some of the production. And when we come back, I'm going to inject a few new elements into B-Town as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. And all of this kind of gearing up for 2022, the big election year here in Rhode Island, which we will be going a million percent in on. I don't know if you can go a million percent in on something. We're going to find out. I don't know if I will explode, um, deteriorate, dissolve, whatever, but we're going to try. A million percent for 2022 here on B-Town. Wow. Sometimes I wonder, should I write things out before I say them here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast? Uh, Because sometimes they are just that ridiculous, but we're going a million percent. There it is. I said it. Today, though, Tom Flanagan talking about Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the experience there, how it relates to the rest of the state. I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that you may support the independent journalism, opinion, analysis, and entertainment that we've become known for here in Bartholomew Town. You can send a one-time donation to Venmo at Bill Bartholomew or paypal.me slash Bill Bartholomew or head to our Patreon account where for as little as $3 per month you can help to sustain this program. Patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town. Uh, we don't do fundraising drives like they do over there at one station. Um, you know, we don't do um, broker time. I'm not selling time. Everybody who appears here on the show, no one's paying me to be on the show. We're not doing that nonsense. The, the, it really comes from the support of people like you, listeners like you, and, and our sponsors, which help to sustain the operation, 
the bedrock of the show, in other words, the, the fees that I have to pay for hosting and things like that. Um, that's basically what your contribution goes to, and it is greatly appreciated. Again, that's patreon.com slash Bartholomewtown. Okay, with that, let's head to Pawtucket, up north, kind of, maybe just outside of Providence. Not sure how to geographically pinpoint it. Maybe Tom can do that. Tom Flanagan here on Bartholomewtown. Okay, so Tom Flanagan, we're talking about growing up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which is, you know, it's a fascinating place. There's so much history there. And in fact, some people have told me that in fact, Pawtucket historically is, uh, was partially, at least in, in terms of the Blackstone River, part of Massachusetts at one point. But really fast forwarding to more of a contemporary look, you have a new book that just came out. Tell us about the book and then let's get into the experience of Pawtucket. Yeah, absolutely. So the new book is called Acapulco, and it's about a haunted quarry lake in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And the story takes place in 1988. And I like to say, if you grew up making homemade book covers, riding your bike on crazy adventures, or attending the occasional high school keg party in the woods, this story is for you. Nice. And how does it tie in to, I guess, the experience that comes with specifically the city of Pawtucket? Yeah, that's a great question. So I wanted the city of Pawtucket to be a character in the book because it's a city with a lot of character. And so there's a lot of points of interest in the story. There's places like McCoy Stadium. There is places like the Division Street House of Pizza, of course, Slater Mill. And actually, Slater Mill actually plays a pivotal moment in the climax of the story. So I wanted the city to have a you know pivotal, pivotal role in the story. Pawtucket has been, in many cases, in, in recent times, it's been a source of statewide and regional news conversation, first largely around the, the Paw Sox and the back and forth. Will there be plans, quote unquote, put through to build a new stadium for development surrounding the Pawtucket Red Sox, now Worcester Red Sox, and then this sort of new push, which we see the guild, the brewery sort of push, uh, a new Central Falls Pawtucket train station, and of course, the fortuitous partners property that will bring a soccer stadium to um, Tidewater Landing. What do people not really know about Pawtucket that, that doesn't fit into these major stories that they should know? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was born and raised in Pawtucket, and I worked at McCoy Stadium for many years. It was some of my favorite summits growing up. I did everything from selling popcorn in the stands to work in the concession stand and occasionally helping out with the ground crew. I was a big baseball fan. In my last book, The Potato Puff Surprise, which is a memoir, I wrote about McCoy Stadium and sort of growing up there. And so I was really sad when I read about the news of, you know, the Paw Sox leaving Pawtucket and going to Worcester, Massachusetts. And I actually thought at one point, maybe the Baseball Hall of Fame should get involved, right? The hmm. longest game in baseball history was played there. And although I don't live in Rhode Island anymore, and I had moved to California, and I now live in in Colorado, you know, I, I, I certainly keep tabs on the city. All my family and friends still live in the city. And that one really saddens me. Um, you know, it was just such a staple of the city. I mean, to have baseball games every summer that the locals could go to at inexpensive prices. I, you know, I thought the stadium was just a perfect location. Beautiful. I, you know, 
So it really saddened me that the team left and moved to Worcester, Massachusetts. I, I certainly understand the financial aspect and the politics involved. And I really do hope that the, you know, the city can come up with something, something to, you know, maybe get, whether it's a soccer team, a double A team in the city, do that development on the waterfront. And, and I also feel like, you know, Apex is something that location has been lingering over the city for a few decades now. Yeah, Apex is fascinating because of a dispute, if you will, between ownership of that building and the city in terms of its valuation and his willingness to sell it. Some have suggested declaring eminent domain. The building itself, though, I mean, it's kind of iconic. And, you know, is it necessarily the most beautiful facility ever? Maybe not. But (laughs) Tuckett's filled with so much um, active history when you talk about Slater Mill Obviously, in more modern times, the 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 uh, Pawtucket Red Sox McCoy Stadium, and even Hasbro, you know, manufacturing toys and and Hassan Fields and everything, and 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 when you are digging into a project as an author, how much do you draw upon your experience mixed with sort of the the lore that you've learned at Pawtucket? Yeah, and by the way, Joe, I apologize for my dogs. I'm on a set. Oh, no problem at all. Apologize for that. I'm working out of my home office and someone just came to the door. So I apologize for that. I have two crazy dogs. Could you repeat the question again? Sure. So how much do you draw upon the, the lore of Pawtucket, generally speaking, in your creative endeavors as an author? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, first of all, I love writing about Pawtucket. It's such a quirky little town and you don't realize it until you sort of move away. And from everything from Dell's Lemonade to Hot Wieners, those things don't exist in other states. And when I tell my friends in California or Colorado or other states I travel to, um, they just find it so fascinating. And it's such a it's such a quirky, funky little city with such a rich history. I also think it's sort of under-recognized in, in, you know, whether it be the film world, the writing community. Um, I love writing about it. And I love going and researching, you know, the history of things before writing them. You know, my dad was born and raised in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. He still lives there. Literally, my parents still live in the same house that I grew up in. And that was the house my dad grew, grew up in. And when I tell people that from other states, they're just just blown away, completely blown away by that. And so I always love to go to my dad. He has such a you know, proprietary knowledge of Pawtucket and can tell you things that aren't even written in books or documented on the internet. And so he's usually my first resource. I go to my dad, I ask, you know, I ask him about, you know, what Slater Park was in the 1970s. I ask him about which rivers and tributaries are flowing in which directions. He's a wealth of knowledge in like the history of the Industrial Revolution and Slater Mill. So I always begin with my dad and sort of that research. And then it's always fun to go back and see how the city's transformed over the decades. And um, yeah, I, I love researching the city. And I, you know, I always do that first and foremost, even when I'm writing fiction, um, to weave that into my stories. What's the biggest transformation that took place in Pawtucket, historically speaking, that you found in terms of, you know, what, what period was it? Was it the transition from the Industrial Revolution to sort of the post-industrial revolution milltown sort of period? Or is, there, or is there something else that sticks out as, oh, that was the most pivotal moment in the city's history? 
Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. And so I sort of reflect upon my time growing up in the city, growing up a kid in the 80s and the 90s. I'm certainly not a formally trained historian, and I would never claim to be. I think you're right. I think that transition from the Industrial Revolution which brought all these workers in um, into the city, into the state. The Industrial Revolution obviously had a significant impact on the state, not just the state of Rhode Island, but New England in general. But then we saw that transformation as, um, you know, that the textile mills and the industrial um, development sort of became commoditized. Um, you know, I think you saw you know, those mills become abandoned. And then there was that period of time where you had all those lofts and mills being um, abandoned, and then they became hazardous, whether it be fire hazards. It's also interesting, too, when I look at the history of downtown Pawtucket, which has changed quite dramatically. When I was growing up, you could go down to Apex, you know, and, and do all your shopping. You could go to the malls and, and the arcade. And, you know, I remember it being quite thriving. It was sort of a thriving, I don't want to say it was Thayer Street in Providence or downtown Providence, but it certainly had a lively atmosphere in many stores. Then there was a period of time when I was graduating high school where I felt like it was a ghost town where you would actually see tumbleweeds coming across. And so <laughs> yeah. I was recently back in Rhode Island this year and just cruising around. And it's it's always interesting to see you know, um, you know, which neighborhoods and communities are thriving, which ones have sort of been forgotten. And so I'm always sort of fascinated when I come back and vis visit and see what's changed over the years. Yeah. And given that it, it borders, you know, a lot of people don't even consider the border with East Providence and sort of that that stretch of Pawtucket um, and and obviously the reality of being some people would say it's the Brooklyn of Providence, you know, Brooklyn to Manhattan, Providence is Pawtucket to Providence, the border with Central Falls, Cumberland. It's a it's uniquely situated in that it is kind of part of the capital region, but it's also one of the two cities, if you will, big cities of northern Rhode Island. In your experience growing up, did you find yourself you know, more drawn magnetically to the center of Providence or more drawn magnetically to kind of like Cumberland and Smithfield, Northern Rhode Island? Like what is Pawtucket, where does a Pawtucket resident and someone with a lot of um, history, family lineage in that, that municipality, how do you fit into the state? Where do you see yourself? That That's such a great question. So <laughs> I love that question. Thank you so much. So, you know, I was a skateboard kid, so we yep. would always sort of, you know, um, skateboard downtown Pawtucket and jump on a bus and, you know, we'd, we'd take a bus to downtown Providence and we would literally uh, sneak through the Hope Tunnel to get to Thayer Street and yeah. it saved us from climbing up a couple of hills. So we would spend a lot of time on, you know, um, on Thayer Street or just, you know, finding places to skateboard. We spent a lot of time on the east side of Providence. And um, so, you know, I did a lot of a lot of that growing up. But then when I when I got older and in, into high school and then even just after graduation in high school, I met some friends that were from Tiverton, Rhode Island. And I thought, you know, I had never been to Tiverton, Rhode Island at that point. And that felt like a different state or a different country. You know, you have yeah. to cross two bridges to get there. 
And very rarely did us kids from Pawtucket meet, meet people in Tiverton or Portsmouth or anyone from Aquitic Island and um, even the East Bay for that matter. You know, we didn't go to places like Barrington or Bristol, you know, so I didn't discover them um, until I was, you know, in high school, which is sort of interesting. And I still have friends to this day, but talk, it's an interesting place. It's sort of like a magnet. When I go back there, I still see people who don't like to leave Pawtucket and anything, you know, longer than a five minute drive is a long commute or a long drive. And it's <laughs> yeah. just sort of interesting when you live in California and you have to drive, you know, 90 minutes to get anywhere in, in the Bay Area, you know, it's just such a different world than Pawtucket. And um, that was sort of the quirkiness, right, of what I was describing um, earlier. And um, obviously, Rhode Island's the smallest state in the United States, but us kids growing up in Pawtucket, we sort of gravitated towards Pawtucket and Providence um, going back and forth. So fascinating. And yeah, you're totally right. I think that's a Rhode Island. I know it's a Rhode Island thing having grown up here. <laughs> this past weekend, you know, I ran up to, uh, well, I went down to Newport Friday night and then Friday night, uh, Saturday morning, drove up to Southern New Hampshire. Saturday afternoon, drove back to Providence, then back to Newport then back up to Seekonk on Sunday to play golf, then back to Newport, and then back to Providence this morning. And I told someone that, and they were like, oh my God, how could you possibly do that? And I was like, that's that's nothing. I mean, if you live anywhere <laughs> else, that that's how you do it. That's a normal thing. Um, yeah, we, we like to joke that Rhode Islanders only go to two places, right? They go to New Hampshire in the summer and Florida in the winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, when we come back after a quick break, I want to get into the specifics of the book, not telling the story necessarily, but the process of writing it where people can find it. This is Rhode Island's podcast of record, B-Town, on ripodcast.com, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get shows. Back after this. Hey, do you want to reach tens of thousands of Rhode Islanders each month? And not just any Rhode Islanders, Rhode Islanders who are plugged into politics, media, arts and culture, newsmakers, and all that is going on in the Ocean State. Well, we can help you do that through podcast, live stream, social media advertising, and much more. Send me an email, bill at ripodcast.com, or text me 401-524-6825. So let's talk about the book. When did you start writing it? What's your creative process like? And, you know, as you're writing about something that has a personal connection, even if it's characters that are you know, from your own heart and soul, there's still, it's tied into the material world and in, in, in location and experience. So I guess talk us, talk to us about your process. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote Acapulco during the pandemic and um, particularly during the stay at home orders. Um, there was something comforting about going back in time, going back to my childhood, going back to Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And those were scary times. Now I know um, they're still very challenging times. The pandemic is still around. COVID-19 is still impacting, you know, millions of people. But, you know, a year or so ago when I started writing the book, those those were scary times. And there was something comforting about going back in time to simpler times. And growing up in the 80s just seemed more comforting and less complicated and safer. And so, you know, after work, I would begin writing the story and it was just, you know, you get sort of taken away back in time. And it was super fun to go back in time and remember what times were like in 1988, you know, before the internet, before social media, before apps and mobile devices. And it was really cool. You know, there's a scene in the story where the friends have a sleepover on the last day of school and they go to 
a mom and pop video store to rent a movie on Friday night and grab a pizza and not blockbuster, but just like the mom and pops, the yeah. privately owned video stores, you know, where you would go in and you'd rent a VHS or Betamax movie. And I totally forgot about those days and, you know, how fun they were, but also how simple they were. And so sort of what I like to do in the writing process is just thrust myself back to that era, fully immerse myself, just sort of remember what it was to grow up, you know, to ride your bike all over town, to build launch ramps out of dilapidated plywood, you know, um, to jump things like trash barrels on your bike, to ride over town, to hang out with your friends, have sleepovers, you know, what school at junior high and high school were like back then. And um, that's sort of my writing process. I like to come up with the story that I want to tell that I think will be a good I idea. And then I just fully immerse myself in what that time era was like, and then just crafting the story continuously from beginning to end. And um, yeah, so I wrote it during the pandemic and it brought me some some comfort writing it. And so I hope that it brings the reader some comfort reading it. And I hope it brings them back to their childhood. And just for a few hours reading the book, they can sort of escape the crazy world we live in today and sort of remember what it was like to grow up. Where may people find the book? Is it on Amazon and so forth or, or uh, physical editions as well? Yep. Yep. So it's available in paperback, hard, hardcover, and uh, for the Kindle. Um, you can get it exclusively on Amazon. And if you want to learn more about the book, you can go to my website, which is just simply tflan.com. That's T-F-L-A-N.com. And you'll get all the information right there to purchase my books and to learn more about Acapulco. Tom Flanagan, growing up in Pawtucket, I definitely want to keep in touch because Pawtucket's going to be going through a lot of changes in the next uh, year or two as this stadium proposal, which evidently is is happening, is going to go through. What becomes of McCoy Stadium? What becomes of the many people who are concerned about gentrification as the train to Boston goes into Central Falls, Pawtucket? What will that do to disrupt the community and the legacies that are built there. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating, diverse city, so many different ethnic populations, so many different family generational ties. And um, boy, that's something that we've got to preserve. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, as I mentioned, I keep close tabs on Pawtucket. I feel like, you know, and Stephen King writes a lot about Maine and most of his books center around Maine. And I feel like I could do something similar, not to compare myself to Stephen King by any hey, means. Go for it. I'm, I'm, you may, <laughs> I, I'm with you. That's a, that's a valid comparison. <laughs> you know, and I'd love to just bring that showcase to Pawtucket, Rhode Island. You know, I have a lot of respect and love for my hometown. Um, I'll be coming back to Pawtucket uh, the last week of July. And um, I'd love to just mention that I'll be doing a book reading and a book signing at the Galway Bay, which is right behind uh, McCoy Stadium. And so um, I'll be reading a couple of passages from the new book, a couple of passages from my previous book. I'll also have um, some live music. So the great Celtic musician, Brian Tui, will be playing oh, yeah. a set of music. And it should be a fun night. That's uh, Friday, July 30th um, at the Galway Bay in Pawtucket, right behind McCoy Stadium. So you can't ask for a better location in Pawtucket. And I hope everybody comes out. It should be a lot of fun. And again, Great mixture of music and storytelling. Beat -a. Beat -a.